church of God's children. It is the victory of, of victories. And so we trust in God uh, for his blessing and his blessed grace and mercy upon us. We are thankful that you are here this morning, both members and visitors alike who are visiting us uh, via uh, online streaming. We thank you for being here. Those who are present, we thank you for being here this morning. We thank God for the opportunity and the blessing being able to worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's please go to our great God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are magnificent. You are the mighty God, the almighty King. King of kings, the Lord of lords, the righteous God. Forever we praise your holy and divine name. We thank you for allowing us to live, to move, and have our very being. Today as we worship you, Lord God, we pray that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. Asking, Lord God, that you would guide us continually into all truth, that you'll keep our minds away from worldly thought and that you'll grant to us an understanding of your holy and divine word. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, who so willingly came and died on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live, who made the perfect sacrifice as a complete atonement and propitiation for our sins. Thank you for all that you do, for all that you've done. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee for be thy will. Amen. We're going to take just, just a moment. We're going to go to Second Peter chapter 3. Um, I was asked a question regarding some, some uh, a little bit of assistance with uh, the deaf to talk about the idea of a symbolic number and... Um, a literal number. And so let me just for just one moment, I'll use one, only one verse to try to uh, gain a, a measure of understanding on this. There are words or numbers that are symbolic. As we read the book of Revelation, we're looking at word pictures. So we're not necessarily looking at numbers that um, are literal numbers, but numbers rather that are word pictures. So this word would represent something that is important and powerful and direct with a clear understanding. When we read the book of Revelation, there are going to be uh, symbolic words that we're going to read. And we're going to find words like or ideas like as and, and, and like. Uh, so in Second Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8, I'll give you an example. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Is it literally saying that one day is one thousand or is it saying it's as 1,000? You see, it's a word picture. And so we need to gain that. What God is telling us in the totality of the thought is that God is patient with humanity. And so that's why he has not returned to destroy the world and have us come before him in judgment. Verse 9 says, uh, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Again, two things in this. Number one, God is patient. Number two, God is outside of time. So we are finite. God is infinite. So when God speaks to us, uh, we're going to look at some very literal uh, numbers. The number seven, in fact, is going to be our lesson for today. In the book of Revelation, the number seven, which is the, the understanding of the principal uh, number, we're looking at a concept in the book of Revelation. We're looking at things that are like, if you will, a likeness uh, that are represented by the number seven. A good number. Genesis, please, chapter 2 is where we're going to go. 
first. We're going to look at the number seven. This whole lesson is about sevens because that is the most important number of all that we're going to read in the in the whole Bible, if you will, but especially in the book of Revelation. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their host. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And this is very literal, right? Six days, God made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, God rested from his work. A day that God declared all things to be finished. A number, if you will, that is very prominent, very important, and very literal. So in the book of Revelation, he's going to take this literal number of completeness, and, and we're going to talk more about it, perfection. And he's going to use that number uh, to show us word pictures of completeness. For example, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 1. But for example, uh, in the book of Revelation, you'll find that the, the entire book is built around a system of sevens, which is really impressive. Uh, there are seven letters to the seven churches, uh, the seven thunders. There are seven stars, seven candlesticks, seven bowls of wrath, seven spirits, seven lamps, seven heads on the sea beast, the lamb with seven eyes, seven horns, seven thousand killed in an earthquake, seven diadems upon the seven-headed dragon, seven-headed scarlet beast on seven mountains, and seven kings. And you go seven, 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 yeah, seven. A very, very important and impactful number. Revelation 1 and verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. Verse 16. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. Verse 20. And as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angel's of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we're looking at again, word pictures, word pictures. This is what this number represents. Chapter eight and verse two of Revelation. Still with the number seven. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. So contextually, God's already described these things. And now as you continue to read through, you realize and recognize uh, the importance of the number seven. Chapter 15 and the verse one. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had uh, seven plagues, which are the last because in them the wrath of God is finished. So you have later, you'll have seven bowls and seven seals and seven trumpets and seven weeks. Revelation is is all over the number seven, but we need to go back to the Old Testament to watch that number as it works and how important it is to God. Let's go back to Joshua. Joshua chapter six. We'll begin there. Looking at some Old Testament passages regarding the number seven, the literal number seven and how it uh, played in the parts of humans. So Jericho, the walls of Jericho fell. Seven priests with the seven trumpets marched around for seven days, right? 
Joshua 6, beginning at verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and its valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of rams, horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpet. So here, uh, the blowing of the trumpets, by the way, when you continue reading, seven times on the seventh day. There is in the Levitical system also the number seven. Let's go to the book of uh, Leviticus. We're going to go to chapter four. In the book of Leviticus, you find in the the system of of sacrifices, the seventh day, which is literal, right? The seventh day, which is also called the Sabbath. The seventh month is especially holy. The seventh year is a sabbatical year. The seventh sabbatical year was followed by the year of Jubilee, the release of debts. The seven weeks between Passover and Pentecost, and then on Pentecost, the 50th day, you have Penta. And then seven days duration, if you will, the Feast of Tabernacles. There are seven lambs offered on Pentecost. Leviticus 4 and verse 6. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. So the number seven is is very literal, if you will, in the Old Testament. And it has very uh, definite meaning uh, to it. Leviticus chapter 26. Look at verse 18. When God gave out the blessing and the curse, and in the the text you'll find that in this blessing and in this curse, in Leviticus uh, chapter 26 and verse 18, there's a system of sevens regarding punishment. Verse 18. If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Verse 21. If then you act with hostility against me, and are unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sins. Verse 24. Then I will act with hostility against you, and I, even I, will strike you seven times for your sins. Verse 28. Then I will act with wrathful hostility against you, and I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. You think that Israel, through the blessings and the curses, between the literal seventh day, the Sabbath day, you think they understood the impactful number seven? Yeah, I think they got it, and they got it pretty clearly. Seven is uh, a very important number in God's system of numbers. There are seven days in a week. There are seven notes in music. There are seven colors in a rainbow. Seven, the number seven. This is how it's obtained, by taking the perfect number, if you will, God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three. And the number for man's world, number four. You put it together and you have this. This becomes a divine number, if you will. It's a very important number. Uh, the Bible portrays it in the Hebrew mind, if you will, uh, so that they understand seven expresses completeness. This is really important because it's the union of man with God. So seven is complete because God made man and he made the earth so that we might live on the earth. And we are his, his love children, if you will. Seven is four. 
man, north, south, east, and west, and three, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit join together, and God has made this perfect, complete number, if you will, a holy number, even when it's multiplied by ten. Now, I want to go to Luke chapter ten. Luke chapter ten. Look at verse one. Look at this, the system of seven that Jesus uses multiplied by ten. Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two and two ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Why did he send out 70 missionaries? Well, again, in God's perfect understanding of the number seven as he reveals it to us and utilizes that number in a perfect way. Now, it also represents... Turn to Matthew, please, chapter 18. We, we can take this one home with us and then hold on to this one because it's important. It's also, the number seven is equivalent to always, right? Because it's a complete number. So always, now watch when we take this into our homes or in our households. Verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall I, my brother, sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And so we understand it's the equivalent of always. How often should I forgive my husband? Always. Thank God for that, right? (laughs) I ought to read that one again just so. uh, And we've reached that 489th time, right? But not the 490. I think we're, we're clear on that. But the understanding of the number seven. So the number seven in Revelation, again, four plus three, you know, Man and God join together a divine number. We're going back to Proverbs chapter 9 for a moment. But it's the most sacred number uh, to the Hebrews. It is the most prevalent number in the book of Revelation. Remember, the book of Revelation is a dominant book. It is showing that Rome, though it seems like they are in control, they are not in control. God is in complete and total control, which means no matter how things look, doesn't matter how things feel, God is still in complete and total control. And they even thought in the book of Revelation that Nero had been revived because of the great persecution that came a second time. But you see, God was in complete and always is in complete and total control. The number seven is a very prominent number in the book of Revelation for that particular reason. The number had a special religious significance among not just the Hebrews, but also the Egyptians, the uh, the Assyrians, uh, and the Persians. And it was noted by early man uh, that there were seven luminaries in, in the sky, the sun, uh, the moon, and then the five planets, right? Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. So... And we also know about the moon. It changes its phases every, every seven, uh, days. And so the, the number is just, it's just a great, we could talk about this number forever because it, it's, it's meant to be that in depth. But we're going to go back to Proverbs chapter nine and watch how God in, in the, in the wisdom literature, uh, used the number seven in this passage. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Wisdom. Seven pillars. Remember, remember the book of Judges, chapter 16? We won't read this, but in Judges 16, Samson, if you remember, verse 13, 19, and 20, Samson had his hair in seven locks, right? I mean, I know it's just the idea of Samson's hair, but, you know, he had the hero of faith has his hair in seven locks. Again, the number seven just being an important number. Pharaoh, in his dream, 
in Genesis 41, uh, there were seven years, remember, of plenty. And then there were seven years of famine. And in those seven years of plenty, and in those seven years of famine, what did God do? He united the whole world. So out of coming out of Egypt, this is important. It wasn't just the Hebrew nation that came out of Egypt. The whole world united came out of Egypt. And that's how we have the Hebrew nation composed of all people. Isn't it great? You can't miss that. You got to get that when you look back in the book of Exodus, that it wasn't just the Hebrews that came out, but rather all nations came out uh, and enjoyed a celebration together for the glory and victory of God. Genesis 21. Genesis 21 and verse 28. There the Bible says, Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven ewe lambs mean? which you have set by themselves. And he said, You shall take the seven ewe lambs from my hand in order that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. So here, if you will, seven is a seal of some type of treaty. Go back to Genesis chapter 7. I like that um, Brother Harris was going back to the beginning because we have to go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 7, the great flood. Noah goes in, inside of the ark. But in, in, before he gets there, verse 1 of Genesis 7, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone and I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and a female, and all the animals that are not clean too, a male and a female. Also of the birds of the sky, by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive uh, on the face of the earth. Look at chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 10. 8, verse 10, the Bible says, So he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. And so there's this significance in that number seven. Turn to Second Kings uh, chapter 5. Remember uh, a man named Naaman. He, he went to Elisha uh, to be healed of his leprosy. And in Second Kings chapter 5, he was given an instruction. And the instruction read like this, verse 10. Verse 10 said, I'm, I'm in a, excuse me. I need to go to 2 Kings. I'm in the wrong place. Uh, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. Seven times. Not, not five. Five wouldn't have done it. Six is not good enough. Uh, falls short. Uh, seven is the number declared. And he did that and he came up, the Bible says, and he was clean. Exodus chapter 20, verse 9. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 9. In the law of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, the Bible says in verse 9, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, you, your, fem- your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, 
And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, some ask the question, since the number seven is so important, why are we still hallowing or, or following the, the Sabbath day as God ordained? Well, remember in Deuteronomy chapter five, uh, God, and also Exodus chapter 20, God gave the law to Moses, right? It wasn't given to the Gentiles. Uh, it was given to the Jews and to Moses, to the people. And you gotta remember also, when you look at the number seven, even though in Genesis two, God hallowed the day, the seventh day, you gotta remember that God did not uh, command that anyone follow the Sabbath day or kept a Sabbath day. I mean, you go back and you look at Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Isaac and Joseph, etc., etc. None of them kept the Sabbath day. That wasn't given until the law of Moses, specifically to the Jews and not to the Gentiles. So uh, we, we gain a good understanding of that from there. That's another subject in itself. But I wanted to throw that out there while we're on this topic. I want to go back to the Proverbs, uh, the wisdom literature, Proverbs chapter 6. The world calls the number seven lucky. Right, this is a very lucky number. Um, well, it's just a divine number. It's a divine number, and our, our God has given it to us. And it, it also brings with it uh, an understanding of order. You know, God brings an order. Seven is a good orderly number in one sense or another. And I want to show you two passages, and in closing this lesson out, that we can gain a real good in-depth understanding of the number seven and we'll understand the value of the number seven, and we'll also understand that the number seven is important to God. Look at verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. So, now we hear number seven. Do you think we ought to take this seriously? Right? Yeah, right? Right, so, so God said, I got seven things I want you to understand that are an abomination to me. God says that. Haughty eyes and a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. And one who spreads strife among brothers. These seven things, brethren, you ought to take seriously. I mean, we take the whole Bible seriously, but here we have the number seven, the system of sevens. And in this text, we have seven things that are considered by God as abominable, an abomination. And when you just dismiss the abominations of the world, you might find yourself in trouble on Judgment Day, right? This is critical and important. Now, let me show you something else. The Bible says that we, we get a clear understanding that there are five steps to salvation. You must hear the gospel, right? The Bible tells us in Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you got to believe, John 8, 24. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. Makes sense. You can't believe something you haven't heard. Right? Then you need to repent. you got to make a decision. I've heard it and I, I believe it and now I have to make a decision. Hmm. Uh, okay, am I going to repent? Or am I going to continue to live in sin? So the Bible says uh, in Luke 13, it says uh, in verse 5, uh, Yea, I, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You, one must repent, have godly sorrow in his heart. In Acts 17:30, God in former days winked at ignorance, but now today is declaring that all men come to repentance. So repentance is important. So you've heard the word of God and you've believed it. And now you're at this decision point where you've got to decide. Are you going to repent? 
or you're going to continue to live in sin. Maybe, if you will, following the seven abominations of God. Then comes confession. Now that you've heard it, you know who the Messiah is and you believe it, and you're willing to live for Jesus, will you confess his name before men? Will you confess his name? The Bible says, if you will confess me before men, then I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But he who denies me, I'll deny him. Right? God makes that clear. It's crystal clear in the Scriptures. And then being baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible tells us that. It makes it very clear. You know, in the light figure, though, baptism also now save you. Right? It's not taking a bath. It's not putting away of the, the filth from the flesh. But it's an appeal to God. It's your first prayer, if you will. It's an appeal to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's amazing, right? And he says it in so many other places about baptism and about confession and repentance and belief and hearing the word of God. Now, once you become a child of God, then we stay in humility. We continue to live for Jesus and we do the very absolute best that we can. And we know that we're not always going to give God our best. We're not proud of that, but we don't always give God our we need to be counseled and encouraged by God on a regular and a continual basis. Some might say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of stagnant in my growth. And, and I would say maybe, maybe it's because you haven't really focused on the system of sevens. And you go, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a counseling session in closing. You can use God's system of sevens to work on your faith Every single day. So during this pandemic, for example, you can work on your particular lifestyle, your relationship with God, as I work on my personal relationship with God and my life with God, and I can work on God's systems of sevens and utilize this in a way that brings glory and honor to God and will help me to get into heaven by the grace and mercy of God. So we close in Second Peter chapter 1. And I want you to notice something interesting about 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. There are sevens. A system of seven as far as continuing in faith. So five steps to heaven, if you will, five steps to salvation and seven steps to heaven. Beginning, if you will, in verse 5. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. How many are there? Seven. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. God's system of sevens. It's a very important number. It's a holy number. And so through these days that you will continue to go through uh, in, in life, if you go back and look at this system of seven and ask yourself, in my relationship with the Lord, how, how, how are my morals? Morally speaking, am I, am I a man of God? And am I standing in a moral way? You know, and you go through this system of sevens and you can look at your own heart and you can look into your own life. And find the, the very conclusion, which I really love in this passage here, in closing out. It says, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. I mean, this is how we get to heaven, brother. So I encourage you to continue in God's system of sevens. Continue as God has given it to us. Understand, when we get to the book of Revelation... That, that number seven is going to mean something. What it means is we win. It's the assurance that we win. It is the assurance that we gain the victory. It is the assurance. 
someone said to me, you know, you really didn't deal with the number six because it means nothing. I mean, we man's made it a big thing, right? Six, six, six. It just means loser, loser, loser. It means you can't win because seven always will trump six. God will always, always, forever be in complete and total control. Seven. Remember God in your service to Him and your relationship with God in your walk with God every day. Remember Him. Serve Him. Follow those beautiful systems, the system of seven. Follow God and honor, glorify His name. Stay in prayer. But remember that everything isn't necessarily about the literal. There are some symbolic things. And so when we get into Revelation, we're going to look at some symbolic numbers in the Bible. But remember, the number seven means the word picture. It means we win. It's the completeness of all things. Thank you for your time today. God bless you.